to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast, and we have another exciting, fun-filled show. And don't turn us off yet. We got an hour left to go in the show. And to be honest with you, I'm pretty excited, but probably not as excited as Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. <laughs> you look like you're doing great. The growler is already empty, so bear with us as, as we stumble through the rest of the show here. I know it's easy to say that after 25 seconds in, but I don't care. Anyway, we have a great guest coming on, a sports artist of sorts, Jacob Burgess. Jake Burgess, however you want to call it. We're going to make sure we uh, put all his information out there so you can check him out. But he does some really cool drawings, and we talk to him later in the show. But he's a big-time baseball fan. And with that being said, yeah, we got NFL playoffs to talk about. Yeah, we can talk a little bit about the college football championship. But how is it that we're in January, the middle of January, and baseball yet again is at the forefront of our minds? What the hell is going on in Major League Baseball? I mean, I didn't know you was going there first, but I'm kind of glad you are. I feel like I got to go there first. Because I'm primed and ready. How you're right. It's January and they're still dominating the headlines because the NBA, who cares? The NBA yawn. We talked about it last week. We got nothing this week. But we're coming up on the NFC and AFC championship games and MLB is dominating the freaking news. I mean, not just dominating. And, and like, I get it that not everybody understands the complexity of what's going on, but this is, it's, it's the wormhole. It's the can of worms. It's, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. So let's start off and just mention the, the biggest elephant in the room. That's the Houston Astros. So we know AJ Hinch got fired. Their GM, who I can't remember his name right now, Burrow or no, something like that. I don't know. He gets fired. The Astros gets fine. They get fined $5 million, which a lot of people are like, that's not enough, but that's a, the max you can do under the current rules. They lost a bunch of draft picks. It, it's, it's definitely a black eye on their organization, but p- some people are saying it's not nearly enough. They're cheaters. But what, what exactly did they do that was so wrong? Explain that to us. Well, I mean, I've played baseball my whole life, and, and if you can get a competitive advantage on your opponent, you're going to do it, right? You're going to try to steal signs. Sure. So the only difference with the Astros is that they use technology. They had a camera out in center field facing towards home plate, and it would video the, the, the batter and the pitcher and the signs, and then they would have someone on the tunnel paid – just to watch the signs the catcher was given. So if it's like a fastball change-up type uh, pitcher, you know they would beat on a drum if they were sitting on the change-up. That way the hitter knew the change-up was coming. If, if there was nothing, they knew the fastball was coming. They'd sit on the fastball. So it's a lot different than like if there's a runner on second and you've picked up a trend on their signaling that the second the runner on second might be able to you know wave or or signal to the guy at plate. You know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about they went out of their way to construct a camera that records their sides and then a system of relays that goes back to the dugout to make noise for the batter to hear. I mean, absolutely. This They went above and beyond. Like, I'll take it a step further. I, w- I remember playing in 13-year-old league all-stars, and we had a pitcher who was fastball, curveball pitcher, right? And But the pitcher itself changed his delivery based on what pitch he was throwing, right? Okay. So then the coaches picked up on it, and they would cheer either. Like for me, it would be like, you know, they would cheer and say, if it was a curveball, they'd yell at your last name. Come on, so-and-so. If it was your first <laughs> name, they'd be like, all right, let's go. 
And then you knew exactly what pitch was coming, and they they, they yelled at me, and I knew what was coming. I hit I hit a triple right down the right field line because you had a competitive advantage because I knew exactly what was coming. But, but that's been but, going on for a hundred years. But I think it's all right. So I get that. That's the biggest argument people are going to give. They're going to say, "Well, everybody still signs. Everybody cheats," and that's fine. I get that. But we're talking about a whole other level of, of cheating. The depth of what they went to, the fact that they used technology in the way they did. We're not talking about like you can see an obvious physical trait where somebody's tipping their pitches. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about human behavior and, and tendencies is one thing. But we're using technology now, regardless of the human being, and we're picking up on the signs, and then now it's cheating because – it's nothing that's going on in the game. I mean, this is this would be the equivalent of like in the NFL, the quarterback or the middle linebacker has the headset on, right? It shuts off after a certain time. This would be the equivalent of leaving it on the entire play and be like, no, Tom Brady, throw it down the left sideline. <laughs> like, you can't do that. Like, you, it's it's ridiculous that the depths they've gone to. So I guess my, my first question is, do you feel like the Astros have been dealt a fair punishment? I mean, I don't feel like it was enough after what I'm hearing what happened. I mean, but. Well, wait, let's back up for a second. What was it that you were telling me earlier with Altuve? I mean, it came out today that Altuve and Springer, on top of the sign stealing scandal with the camera, were also wearing wires underneath their jersey. To further help, he's wearing a wire. The sign stealing. So if you go and look at the video when Altuve in the 2017 ALCS hit a walk off against uh, Rodas Chapman against the Yankees, he was so pumped up. He's going around the bases. It's a huge moment, and then all he can think of is he's running third. Is don't tear off my jersey. Don't tear off my jersey. Who thinks of that? So like a it, guy it, wearing it's, wires. It's very odd. So. That happens. He crosses home plate. The team's going nuts. They're celebrating on the field. He immediately runs into the dugout, down to the tunnel, grabs a T-shirt, switches shirts, comes back on the field, does his interviews. Uh, it, it, it's crazy how deep we've gone now. And it's at the point now, I told you this too, that and it'll never happen, but L.A. has formally filed a complaint stating they want – to be awarded the 2017 and 18 World Series champs, which it's not going to happen, but I'm not opposed to them vacating the championships. <laughs> hey, they took Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy from him. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they'll do the same thing here. All right, so you know, other you know, implications of the story, ramifications, if you will. The Red Sox became kind of embroiled in controversy too because Alex Cora, who was a bench coach for the Astros, I don't know if it's fair to say he was the mastermind behind all this, but he was a central figure, right? Oh, absolutely. I feel like he was the mastermind, honestly. I mean, he was the bench coach. A I'd like AJ to think Hinch. he was. <laughs> so so now the Red Sox are in trouble. He They're brought being... it right to the Red Sox. So how is he not yeah. the mastermind? They won a World Series the very next year. He's like, listen, this is how easy it is. I'm going to bring it here to Boston, and we're going to get back to winning championships. <laughs> if you guys want a winner, I'm your man because I'll get it done any means necessary. So he's out of a job now. So Hinch uh, lost his job down in Houston. Cora was out before the investigation's even over because this is such a black eye right now. And, you know, on top of that, you have up in New York, the Mets with uh, Beltran, who hasn't even managed a game yet. 
he he had to step down today, or was he fired, or was it amicable? How did that go down? No, I mean, the Mets hired Beltran in November, right? Yeah, like it's not never been- never managed the game. He was a player during the 2017 World Series, a veteran player. He was involved in all of it. They hired him in 20 uh, in November this year, and then now he's stepping down. And it was they mutually agreed to part ways. Because of the situation. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Spring training's in, what, four weeks? He's not going to be a first-time manager rolling in down to Florida and trying to answer all these questions and not knowing his routine as a manager on top of that. So he said, which I felt like was the most genuine uh, it, apology. He seemed, he seemed the most real. He said, listen, I, I, I'm i doing the right thing by the Mets and my family. Uh, I made – I'm." A, I love baseball. I made the wrong decision, and I, I would love to uh, be involved in the future, but I made bad decisions, and I don't want to be a distraction to the team. So at this time, I want to resign despite not manage, managing a game in my career. So what's interesting about the, the Beltran thing is when they did the investigation, they said no players would be implicated of any wrongdoing because it's kind of like in college, like Rick Pitino – or, or something similar to that. It's more of a culture of just mass, you know, loss of control, so to speak. So these players, they were all like, well, you know what? You can, you can testify. You can give a statement, whatever it may be. And I'm not saying that's what Beltran did, but what we're, we're pointing out here is that the players are kind of given immunity. Instead, Major League Baseball decided to drop the hammer on the owners, on the GM. And let's be honest, you're not really dropping the hammer on the owner for $5 million. I get that. They're made of money. They sleep on Monopoly money. It is what it is. But Beltran was a player at the time, and now he's a manager, so he's implicated. So the Mets had no obligation to fire him whatsoever. He He's not going to be suspended the way Hinch was and the way Cora probably will be, but they still decided to part ways because of the distraction. Yeah, I mean, they, they could not go on with, with what they had because it would be a distraction because the NL East is wide open. You've got the Braves, the Nationals. Braves won a division two years in a row. The Nationals are World Series champions. <laughs> the Phillies are better. You've got the Mets with the power arms. That division is legit. The Mets are there to contend. They cannot go into spring training with a new manager that has no experience on top of this, this when, distraction. Well, now you're going into spring training with no manager right now. No, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, all three teams, the Red Sox, the Astros, and the Mets, if it were me, of course, I'm nobody. I'm Mr. Brown here on, uh, you know. We, we don't know sports. <laughs> but they've got to hire managers that have experience at this point because, like, you need a guy who knows the routine. So my opinion is someone needs to hire Buck Showalter. Well, I, th- I was going to ask. The Astros at least interviewed him. They interviewed him. him. Okay. I feel like Buck Showalter. I'm talking about the Buck Showalters. I'm talking about the Dusty Bakers. The guys that have experience. They've been to Mike Socias. Those, those guys need to step forward and be like, listen, I know you don't want to do this long term. If you could just get, get us through a year. And then even, no matter how well you do. We'll, we'll continue a search after the year's over. Well, this is the best thing that could ever happen to your Mike Socias and Dusty Bakers. Absolutely. They, they done manage their – well, Socia not so much, but a lot of these guys – I like Mike Socia. They've managed their way out of the league because they weren't on some good teams there toward the end of their runs. But now you they, best believe if they manage a year and they leave them to a pennant, they'll be like, let's talk about an right. extension. Right. Now they got a chance to go on these freaking like – Dusty Baker's like 80, so. <laughs> the lizard is back. But I mean, I mean – 
I would I would interview the guy right now because he he knows how to handle a ball club, right? I so, mean, and and if you're Dusty Baker and you're not managing anybody, now you got a chance to come and manage a pennant contender. Like that's all insane. three of these teams, this is what's odd about it. All three of these teams have World Series aspirations. Well, let's be honest. The Mets are clearly behind the, no, the Red Sox. And they the are. Sports. They are, but not really because the Mets and uh, Red Sox had about the same record. But the Mets pitching is better than the Red Sox. Well, that's true. Well, but they're not – they're not overpaying for Chris Sale either. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, anything can happen. So all three of these teams that you would accept or inherit, they're good teams that could get you to the playoffs. All right, so let me ask you this. With the punishments that's been levied out, you, you said you feel like it may not be severe enough or, or whatever it may be. What do you think Manfred should have done? How should have, how, how should have Major League Baseball handled this differently? I mean, at the time he – Gave out the punishment. Not all the details were no, known. It keeps unraveling. It's terrible. So I mean, I don't know what else you can do because he already gave the five million dollars, which is the maximum penalty. He he got uh, designated that they they couldn't have draft picks for twenty and twenty one. He fired or he didn't fire. He suspended the the manager and GM, which they ended up right. firing. The Astros fired him because that's of the on suspension. them. But I honestly feel like they should uh, rip away their championship. I feel like it should be taken off the record books. <sighs> that's my opinion. So that's interesting because I know you don't feel like Barry Bonds should be erased from the record books. Correct. So why is this so different? Because guess what? At least to my knowledge, Barry Bonds didn't know what was coming. He still parked at McCovey Cove. <laughs> whether he whether it was a slider or a fastball, he didn't care. Well, they, Get him they, one good pitch, he's going to park it. So here's what's interesting, and this this conversation is going to ramble on a lot longer than I thought it would, but damn it, we're going to keep having it because it's interesting to me. So the biggest conversation that came up, like when we started sharing the story out and we were making comments about it, Pete Rowe's name comes up a lot. Yeah. And, and I think it's fair to expect because he has a lifetime ban on baseball because he bet on baseball. Right. But yet here you are with a manager who knowingly cheated – now this isn't the White Sox Black Sox scandal. I get that, but it's 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 up there in that upper echelon of really nasty things to happen. And we're talking. And a lot of people are saying one year ban. You got to be kidding me! Like that's not enough. So I mean, you think Hinch and Cora should be multi year, forever, lifetime? I don't know. I mean, I, I can't say it should be lifetime because I don't think Pete Rose should be lifetime. But let's be real. What team is going to hire Cora or him? Oh, they're to never going to. They're never going to manage again. So it's pretty much a lifetime ban. <laughs> and let's be real. Unlike Pete Rose, neither one of those clowns were going to the Hall of Fame anyways. No, they weren't. Well, I mean, if they would have kept cheating their way to World Series titles, maybe as a manager, neither one of them are going. So the 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 thing that I, I'm trying to digest and comprehend here a little bit is Pete Rose bet on baseball, right? So with that being said, and, and I know Pete Rose's stance is he only bet on games that he thought the Reds would win. But when you bet on baseball, the, the thought comes into your mind that he might throw a game because, you know, maybe I don't think we're going to win anyway. So as a manager, I'm going to play a worse pitcher or whatever. So that, that's one thing. When you talk about things like Barry Bonds and you talk about your your Maguires and your Rafael Palmeros and your, you know, Jose Canseco's, all your your sterile users, because that's that's still relevant to talk about, they all cheated to win, to get better. Competitive the advantage. Right. The same thing is being said about what the Astros, what the Red Sox, you know, have done. 
They were trying to win. They weren't trying to throw a game. This isn't the Black Sox. So all those arguments go out the window. So to me, the biggest thing is baseball has to send a message. They got to make the message known that this is not tolerated and this can't happen. So do you feel like they've at least done that? I do and I don't. I just don't feel like it's enough. So, I mean, we already said that these managers are never going to manage again. I think this is worse than steroids. And I, you want me to tell you why? Go ahead. Because, like, I've played baseball my whole life. If I know what pitch is coming, it don't matter if I'm on steroids or not. If I'm ready for that breaking ball, like I said, I'll absolutely, as a left-handed hitter, rip it down the right field line and get a triple out of it. Barry Bonds, yeah, he took steroids. He got stronger. That didn't change his hand-eye coordination. He didn't know what pitch was coming. It's like having a spoiler. This guy, the whole team, knew what was coming, and they could react to it. To me, that takes the guessing out of it. So to me, this is way worse than steroids because the player on steroids still had to adjust and deliver. Did you see where Aaron Judge deleted his tweet congratulating Altuve? As he should, because everyone loves Altuve. It cuts deep. Everyone loves Altuve. And if that's what got him there, then shame on him because Aaron Judge deserves it. I'm not, I hate the Yankees, but it is what it is. Here's my question. Do you think the Astros cheated this past season? <laughs> I mean, that's a dumb question. I mean, they're in the World Series again. If you did it in 17. And you won. And you won. And you're you're doing it in 18, like, in, and we're talking about it in 19 and now 20. Why would you quit until someone talked about it? You're going to keep doing it. Right. It's it's kind of like the thief, right? Like a thief's going to keep stealing until he gets caught. You can't tell me they haven't been doing it this whole time. I know, but like so, what, I, what I find interesting is none of the investigations are pointed toward it's that. Craziness. It's It's all that one so year. So they never got caught, but now it's 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 even funnier that they were probably doing it in the World Series and the Nationals still beat them. <laughs> so how does that make you feel? You suck at cheating. That's what. I love it. Right, what I'm about a Braves the... fan, and I'm glad the Nationals won. What, what about, well, now, yeah, it's easy to say that because they're a bunch of cheaters. But I did pick them. You did. So let me ask you this. With, With all the cheating. players that have knowledge of this, right, because like we just mentioned, like Altuve and Springer possibly wearing a wire like we're in an episode of The Sopranos or something. Like, we have all this ridiculous stuff out there. Baseball has decided not to discipline the players at all because if they came forward with witness or testimony that that would, you know, admonish any guilt, they would take it and they would move on, which is why Beltran was never really indicted for anything bad when he went to the Mets because all that was done while he was a player for the Mets, even though his name was mentioned in the report 19 times or whatever it was. My question to you, Mr. Brown, should the players be held accountable? Should there be any discipline for the players? Do you believe it's like the NCAA and like a Rick Pitino thing where you created a culture of no compliance and it's all on the managers or the players? Do they have any culpable responsibility here? I absolutely don't think it's like uh, Rick Pitino and the NCAA because these are paid professionals. Big difference. These are kids with Rick Pitino. So it's not a lack of institutional control. No, these guys know it damn well what they're doing. Because they're going to get paid anyway, right? Yeah, they're getting paid. They're paid professionals. They're paid to be, as Barkley don't disagree with, role models. They are. So, I mean, <laughs> the fact is, if, if Altuve and Springer were wearing wires – 
I know they said they wouldn't discipline them, but this is whole new allegations coming out. I absolutely feel like both of these guys should be, should be suspended at least a year. And I haven't, I haven't read anything on this. Has One a, year, has at a, least. All right, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm not arguing that. Here's my question. Has the Players Association said anything about the players being disciplined? Have they come out and taken a stance anyway? No, absolutely not. It's a union. What do you expect? They're not <laughs> going to take any kind of stance on well, anything. Until you start trying to take away some of their power, then they're going to come out. I, I just seen the Irishman today. They're not going to take a stance unless it's a bullet in the back of your head. You need to bring Joe Pesci in, baby. Yeah. All right, so you said spring – so not saying necessarily 100% these guys, but if what we talked about – isn't just conjecture and is actually true. Guys like Springer and Altuve can end up missing an entire year being suspended. They should be. I'm not saying it'll happen. So, I, and I'm with you. So, to me, and, and I'm a little lighter than, than you are on this. I what I told you earlier today before we started the show was I would treat it like steroids. Cheating is cheating. So right now, if you test positive for PEDs, you miss 50 games. Correct. Right. So let's say if nine Astros are found guilty in a report, then you suspend nine of them for 50 games. I'm sorry, but that pretty much screwed your season anyway. So you're playing the minor leaguers for 50 games. Right. Hey, may, hey, maybe that gives you good trade bait down the line. I don't I, know. I got you. They might over over. Uh, but produce. E- either way, the point is you're trying to create a deterrent so this crap never happens again. Correct. All right. So you can't just say the players are completely – irrelevant to this investigation. Like they're not like, complicit at all, right? Like yeah. they, they weren't the ones banging on the drums. Oh my God. They're paid professionals. This isn't the freaking oh, like if you're out there wearing a wire knowingly, like come on. If Altuve's coming home and he hit the biggest hit in his of his life off Chapman, who I've seen a person he throws like one oh two and this and this dude is one oh seven jacked a walk off home run in the ninth or two thousand seventeen ALCS and he's walking around home plate thinking, don't rip off my jersey. There's a problem. So I, I'm going to wrap up my part of this by saying, uh, initially, I thought, man, these are good punishments. I thought, like, it's, it's a record fine. You took away a bunch of draft picks. And I'm walking away now here a, a few days later saying, it's not enough. Like, I've really changed my tune on it. Like, when you start to look at the depravity and, and the depth of this entire situation, all I can think about is, one, yeah, we saw this on our Facebook page. People were talking about, well, they didn't do anything to their international picks. Well, that's that's a very good point. Oh, I don't know, what is it, 60% of baseball international players now? I mean, it's right there, yeah, I, I absolutely. Mean, so, so you're not even going to touch that part. Um, two, What's $5 million to an owner? And I get that the owners are who pays the commissioner and who employs him. He's not going to come crack down on that. But the fact that not a single player is going to face discipline for this. I'm with you 100%. And I just like the NCAA comparison because that's what's happened in the past, right? Art Bryles at Baylor. You know, lack of institutional control. He'll never coach a major college program again. Absolutely. All right. But we're talking about paid professionals. Mr. Brown, you hit the nail on the freaking head. You're talking about guys who already have contracts. They're already going to be multimillionaires. And they don't have the balls to come forward and say, you know what, we're a dirty organization. We're doing things the wrong way. 
you're right. They're not role models, damn it. This is a travesty. And I would be, suffice to say, at least I'd be happy if they got steroid PED-like suspensions the way a Ryan Braun did or somebody like that. You know, because at that point, it does two things. One, a manager's never going to make that mistake again because they're going to see what happens to Cora and Hinch. They're never going to manage again, so they're not going to screw up. And now the players are going to see that it's going to cost them big time when it comes to things like endorsements, when it comes to contracts, because if you're not reliable to be on the field for 162 games, then you're a liability. So you're you're 100% right when it comes to the fines not being levied heavy enough. I'm out of breath after all that. We've talked for 25 minutes about baseball in the middle of January. We didn't even talk about Josh Donaldson going to the Twins. The bringer of rain is now the bringer of snow. Mr. Brown got up and walked away from his mic. It's chaos. Why are we talking about this stuff in the middle of January? I said I can't wait for baseball season to start. I didn't mean I wanted it to start now. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been following the show, you know we love to have really interesting guests, and we're not going to disappoint this week, I promise. We found a guy who's got a talent. Now, I can speak from personal experience. I'm not very creative. I don't have very many skills. You're not. You're right. Thank you for the support (laughs) there. I appreciate that. But Mr. Jake Burgess is joining us, and he is a, a Rembrandt, a Picasso, a Van Gogh that still has both ears of a sports painting world. And it's more than a pleasure for us to have him on the show because we're going to try to see if we can at least get him to give us some free swag or something. I don't know. But, Mr. Burgess, how are you doing, sir? Oh, great, guys. How are y'all? Man, I can't complain too much. It's still January and above 40 degrees, so life's not too bad. So where where are you at right now? Where do you live? Alabama. So we had about... Uh, it was 60 degrees today. Everybody had jackets on, so that kind of tells you how, how it is down here. See, I, I can't really brag about warm weather when uh, he's down in uh, Alabama. Are you are you close to Greenbow, Alabama? <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm a little bit more north than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a real place, people. I just made it up. Forrest Cup told me about it. Uh, yeah, you're doing better than our guest last week because we were bragging we were wearing shorts here in West Virginia and because uh, it's like 50 degrees and I always wear shorts if it's above 40, but she was at uh, negative like 20. She was in Alberta. Alberta, Canada, yeah. Do you guys get snow in Alabama? Uh, it seems like every other year we get uh, maybe one day where till about noon it'll snow and stick and then by 2 o'clock it's all gone. So we have our fun while it lasts. All right, so I'm looking at a video of you here, and you're wearing a hat. So that's an Alabama hat, correct? It's it's not an Atlanta Braves hat. This is mm-hmm. this is this is Atlanta Braves. Uh, I think the oh. difference they say with the Alabama, there's the Alabama has the mullet on the top, so that's uh, way that, that is very <laughs> that's a very Alabama thing to say. <laughs> Let me ask you this: since we're talking a little bit about baseball here, is Alabama Braves country? I feel like Atlanta Braves. That's kind of like the Southeast team. So, is that kind of the regional powerhouse for you guys down there? Yeah, pretty much. You know, we have uh, we have just a farm league team, uh, Birmingham Barons, uh, in Birmingham, which is about <laughs> we all know who they hour, are, <laughs> which is about an hour for me. But um, yeah, pretty much our closest pro team that we always follow. That I as a my family did as well was the Atlanta Braves. So we get to go down and. Um, and same every now and then. So it's about a two hour drive for me, so it's not too bad. 
Well, Michael Jordan ain't coming out of that tunnel, so you pretty much have to follow the Braves, Jordan right? Jordan rides a bus. <laughs> I did see I did see Michael Jordan play. Uh, it broke my heart because I was about nine years old, and I saw him drop a fly ball right, like in the sixth inning right in front of me. Just It, it hurt. But, oh, well, you didn't have to bring it up. I mean, yeah. <laughs> mm. some you know, secrets are best left unsaid. I'm still trying to get over it. I think if I talk about it, it helps me get over it. So. All right. Well, we'll be your therapy. Well, okay. before we get off the rails here too much, you know, tell everybody a little bit about you know what it is that you do. There's a reason why we brought you on the show, and it's because you have a particular set of skills. So tell everybody about that particular set of skills. Uh, well, I work. I'm an artist, so I work in realism drawings with uh, pencil, colored pencil, and uh, white charcoal. So I do. And what realism is, it's basically trying to get my drawings to come out looking as close to a photograph as possible. So when you're looking at it, um, you have those certain aspects that make it look real versus like a pencil sketch where you can kind of tell somebody, you know, has drawn it. I want it to look like an actual picture. So that's kind of what I do. And um, colored pencil is one of the medias and just regular pencil. And then one thing that I do that uh, a lot of of artists don't do is it's called white charcoal. It's like black charcoal, but it's white, obviously. And I do that on black paper and that gives it like a just gives it a difference here when you're looking at it. Um, but that's that's kind of what I do. I, I mainly work in sports, and MLB is my main thing because that's kind of what I'm passionate about. And that's what I grew up on. Um, so you know, I kind of just pick the top athletes and ones that inspired me, and I draw them and and sell prints of them and sell the original originals as well. So that's that's what I do full time now. So. Well, how long have you been doing that, and when did you kind of get started? You know, I've, um, I'm 32 now, so when I was about 8 or 9, about 3rd or 4th grade, you know, when professional wrestling, wrestling, I was in the WCW, so that was oh, my... Wow. Um, <laughs> woo! And the giant... All. So uh, we would, I would go, we'd watch, this is before we had DVR and all the and YouTube and smartphones, so what would happen is I'd come into school and my buddy, we'd sit down and talk about what match we saw the night before. And so we couldn't pull up YouTube, so we would actually just draw out what we saw. And he was he was really good, a really talented artist as well. So we would sit there and draw out like, oh, remember when DDP like he like diamond cutted that dude off the top rope, and like so he would draw it out, and um, we do some action shots. So really, I think that's what really sparked it. Honestly, it's uh, started from there. And then I, I would sit and he would draw something up, and I tried to match it. Um, and then naturally, I grew up playing baseball, so naturally, I was just hey, started. Hey, hey, Jake, b- before yeah. you move on past the wrestling, I got one question for you. Sure. Um, uh, not really a question. It's more of a statement. Ask Chad here about his WCW pay-per-view experience. Why, why do you got to bring that up? Because it's perfect. <laughs> got to hear right. it now. Well, <laughs> so in, in 1999, WCW – came to the Charleston Civic Center, and we had a, a front-row seat at this pay-per-view uh, called Sold Out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember um, the uh, Bill Goldberg versus Scott Hall ladder match. With yes. The, the, taser, the taser match. We yes. There. Yeah. So it was on that show. So anybody listening has a WWE Network, you can probably find me. On the uh, early part of the card, there was a match between uh, Perry Saturn and Chris Jericho with the loser having to wear a dress. Well, if anybody remembers Chris Jericho in his WCW days, he had a valet that went by the name of Ralphus. 
Well, Ralphus came out. I got excited. I marked out for Ralphus. I lifted up my shirt. I started slapping my stomach. I was emulating my inner Ralphus, and the camera literally faded to black as it touched my stomach, and, and the screen went dark. So, so you know, I so I appreciate your artistic influence from wrestling because clearly it's left a mark on my life. Now I'm going to have to go watch it. Thank you so much. Oh, uh, I'm on there a couple of times, but that's the, the most notable one. Um, but that is anyway, awesome. it's not about me. It's about our guest, Mr. Burgess here. We're going to talk more about him. So I, I can appreciate uh, the start there. Now, if you had to put a, a guess or an estimate on it, how many, how many paintings, drawings, sketches do you think you've done? Oh, um, I don't know. Well, I, I, as a business, I'll tell you, I, cause I've been as a business for a little over a year now, um, Cause I, I would do it for a little bit, but I didn't, I, I never found the right market, you know, the right people to really, uh, who would appreciate it. So once I found it last year or, or year before last, I, um, I started drawing Chipper Jones was my first one. So I started with that one, but I would say in the last year I've probably completed, um, roughly maybe like 60 or 70. Um, that's with, the ones that you see on my website and also ones that I did as commissions for uh, people, which I don't do a lot of commission work. I try to just stick to the ones that I'm more passionate about because they usually come out a lot better uh, when I can pick the picture. But yeah, probably roughly about 60 or 70 drawings, I would say. And that's a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, real quick, just cheap plug time. Tell everybody about your website and how they can find this awesome uh, work that you put together. Sure. So if you go on Facebook and just search for uh, Jacob Burgess Drawings, You'll see um, you know, my personal page and also that's my art page. So you click on that. And within that page, there's a shop now button. If you click on that shop now button, that will bring you straight to my Etsy shop as well. So I also have an Etsy store. Um, but it's what if you find my Facebook page, you'll find on the, the Etsy store as well. Damn, I love the Internet. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so l- let me ask you this. Who... Just if you had to pick one, who's your favorite person to draw? And then follow up question: Who have you probably drawn more than anybody else? Oh man, you know my boy was Chipper growing up, Chipper Jones. So I just I don't know. I've I've always idolized him. He's been a straight guy from uh, day one and through his career. So I've always kind of respected that. There's a lot of players that's like that, but he's the one that stuck out to me the, the most. So I like drawing him. I'm actually going to be. This is kind of. I haven't announced it yet. It's probably going to be one of my next colored pencil drawings is uh, Chipper Jones. I've done one in black and white, but um, so I've done multiple of him in the white charcoal that I posted on my, on my uh, page there. But I think he's the, he's just got the look. He's got, he's got that, that in, kind of intimidating look a little bit and he's real passionate. So um, he's swagger. probably, more, yeah, he's got the, he's, he's got the swagger and also Ken Griffey Jr. would be my, my second one. Cause uh, everything about him is just oh, cool. I mean, he, he can't do anything wrong with that. He just looks cool. I mean, even when I draw him, I just feel, I, I feel like I'm, I'm gaining some of his vibes when I'm doing it. So, well, the one I saw that you drew with the collar, with the hat turned around backwards, it, it, it took me back to the, uh, home run derby that he did. And that's immediately what I thought of when I saw your, uh, painting or not painting your portrait there of Griffey, but, uh, it was, it was badass, And, uh, it, it immediately brought memories to me just seeing your picture. Yes. And that's, that's when I, when I'm doing this, most of them is how I remember it. So I remember the home run derbies with, with him and McGuire and Sosa and all of them. And I, I mean, I still have, I have VHS tapes just recorded. I mean, to the max of all the home run derbies back to back. So yeah, that's exactly why when I pick, an, uh, when I pick the certain pictures to draw, 
it's that's kind of how I remember it as well. So who's been the hardest portrait that you had to do? Like as far as attention to detail, is there somebody you just absolutely maybe hate to have to do and maybe not hate is like a, a person or a fan necessarily, <laughs> but just one that might be more difficult than others. Oh, uh, well, as far as, God, this is hard. Cause I don't want it to come across it like anyway, but yeah, let's just tear somebody down right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Honestly, like when I did a Bryce Harper, I thought, man, the people, you know, you know, you got certain players where they're either going to love him or hate him, you know. And so Bryce Harper was one of those ones where I did not. And LeBron James was one of those ones I drew. I was like, wow, that's there's some really bad feedback, not from the drawing itself. Just, oh, I hate that. You know, so it was kind of like I wasn't expecting uh, polarizing figures. Yeah, exactly. But as far as drawing, you know, the, the person um, I would probably say Hank Aaron was probably uh, a little more difficult. And the, and the reason why and it's not any, any other thing, but because of his age to his skin when I was drawing. So older people in general have a lot more, uh, character to their skin. So, um, especially in color, there's, there's probably, yeah, there's probably just in this, if you look at the Hank Aaron portrait, I did just kind of in his cheeks and his jaw bones, it was probably 20 different colors, even though it looks like one color, it probably took about 20 different colors just to get that, you know, and the, and the different wrinkles and the, and the texture of the skin. So it, it, that was probably the, the more difficult where it had to spend a little more time. I've, I've been a Braves fan since about uh, 1988. Okay. So I, I'm about, I'm five years older than you. Okay. Roughly. So uh, I grew up watching the Braves on TBS and they were terrible back in the late eighties with Del, Del Murphy and all those guys. And they stunk it up. And, and uh, so Del Murphy hits home with me. Um, Cause it, that's what I started with. And then after that, it was Dave justice was my guy. Mm-hmm. So I love all your Braves drawings that you've got so far, especially the Bobby Cox one where he's kind of like, I guess you did with the, uh, where he's in the tunnel or whatever. It's got like kind of the dark features to it. Yeah. I like, I like that one, but I will say this. If you ever do my two favorite non Braves players, if you ever do a Ted Williams or a mm-hmm. Ricky Henderson, um, you can go and count me in because I'm taking one because those are two guys that have inspired me. Obviously, Ted Williams, because I feel like he's the best hitter that ever lived, and Ricky Henderson, because just ask him, he'll tell you, he's the greatest that <laughs> ever lived. <laughs> but I felt like, because I played ball growing up, I was a leadoff hitter, center fielder, and I've never seen someone as tenacious as him on the bases could change the game the way he did if you just put him on base without even getting a hit. So I love Ricky and I love Ted, so that's just my advice. They have to hit home with you, but count me in if you do that. You got it, buddy. You got it. Ted Williams is definitely um, – both of those are definitely on my – I kind of have a in my head kind of a list of uh, who I like to do. You know, it's kind of, I just kind of go who I feel like that week, you know, and kind of how it's going. If the I'll start a drawing, if I'm not feeling it, I'll kind of put it aside. But uh, Ted Williams is definitely high on the list um, for for the one of the next drawings I do too. So, what what, what about a prime time uh, Falcon slash uh, Braves? Uh, uh, drawing i would like that you know that's when you said he, he knew like ricky henderson knew he was good i watched the i don't know if you've seen the documentary with Deion sanders that was on uh certain uh streaming services the other night but uh yeah he was he uh Deion sanders is really proud of how his career went and it was he's very entertaining he was he was one of the ones that you would turn on the tv even if you weren't a sports fan just to watch so he knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he's the best to do that other than my boy, Bo Jackson. I'm also a Raiders Ooh. fan. So you, you got Bo Jackson that could do both, and Dion's right there with him. And they were both good at what they did in both sports. 
Oh, absolutely. And that's when I'm drawing the, uh, certain figures uh, with their own different teams, you know, different sports. It's hard to pick because I know if I pick one, like, why didn't you do it in this this sport or what? So, um, or this team. And because, you know, Bo Jackson, I definitely want to, I'm kind of thinking maybe, uh, same thing with Nolan Ryan. I'm kind of thinking maybe like a, a one portrait with uh, a blend of all the, you know, maybe a couple of portraits inside of that same one with a different team. So, I don't know. It just kind of depends on how it goes, but it's it is kind of hard to pick because I have my favorite team, but you know it hits home with uh, certain people. So, well, you got to do what pays the bills. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I will tell you though, if you do a Bo Jackson one, don't let Mister Brown lie to you. He'd absolutely buy that one too. So, <laughs> so don't don't let him try to bully you into what you ought to do next. He'd definitely buy the Bo Jackson one. Too. <laughs> uh, so I, I just saw one. Uh, I think you did probably uh, relatively recent was uh, Drew Brees, yep. and that was uh, that was pretty sharp. And, and you know, you can always tell the uh, the skill of somebody. Whenever you can look at it, and within a half second, you already realize exactly who it is, what's going on there. And I, I just thought it was attention to detail. So for everybody listening, like you got to check out the work. I, I think it's awesome, and I at least wanted to commend you on that. Um, so any any big plans this year? Do you have a, a goal you're trying to get to, or any anybody you definitely want to get off the bucket list on who you've uh, gotten gotten on on the paper so far? Um. Yeah, I definitely have a few in my head, like Tony Gwynn. You know, that's one that's uh, – he, he's another one that um, said, you know, when he passed or whatnot. But that's one of the ones that's always uh, close to me there. So I definitely want to knock one out of him in color and um, really just do a good tribute to him. Um, uh, there's definitely several that I haven't done. There's a lot of teams that I haven't even touched yet that, um, you know – Nolan Ryan is definitely another one. So Gwynn, Ryan uh, – probably going to do a couple of more cubs like ernie banks you know some of the because i i love the old school players too i, I always researched that kind of stuff when i was growing up i always collected the older cards you know i still collect cards and memorabilia so that was uh i was kind of always into like the 50s and 60s and really appreciated where all the stuff they had to go through and um so a lot you know like ted williams and ernie banks you know willie mays is going to be uh high on the list too so um yeah those are probably one of the main guys that i'll be um starting to look towards well we definitely look forward to seeing some of those when you finally get them done and, and make sure you let us know because we'll share that stuff out because we we found a bunch of diehard sports fans and when you get into the realm that you're in I, that stuff's just cool and it's unique because anybody like you said baseball cards and, and whatnot that stuff's awesome i still get into it you know not like you know it used to be but mm-hmm. you know, anybody can get a baseball card but if you walk into somebody's man cave and they got a portrait hanging up of somebody that's you know hand drawn like that it kind of pops the eye a little bit it kind of stands out so definitely commend you and everything that you got going on <laughs> tell everybody one more time where they can find you at online Yes, sir. As Facebook, you just search Jacob Burgess Drawings. Click on that link. You'll see all of my drawings. I try to keep the post at least, you know, once a week, a couple of times a week. Try not to overload. But then uh, within there, you'll see my Shop Now button. Click on that. That'll bring you to my Etsy shop. And I have all of my prints listed there. And I keep them as soon as, like the Drew Brees I just got finished up with. It's already on there. Um, and you can find it on there. And if you have any questions, I'm uh, you can ask anybody. I respond back pretty quickly. Um, if you ever have a question about anything, like to have something drawn, you know, I try not to do a whole lot of commission work, but if, uh, you always ask me, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not too hard to talk to. So <laughs> now nah, you've been awesome. 
Well, Jake, we appreciate you coming on the show. And, you know, if you ever get anything big down the road there, we'll definitely bring you back on and help you get it out there. But keep doing what you're doing. We'll keep following you. And, brother, you do awesome, awesome work. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Well, enough about baseball. We actually had football happen. We had a lot of football happen this past week. So let's start with the amateurs, the collegiate level. What did you think of Joe Burrow's Coach O, Go Tigers, and the LSU Tigers National Champions? I think they was outstanding. The game kind of went how I thought it would go. Uh, it was 17-7 to at one point. I just loved LSU. I thought they was legit. I love uh, Burrow's in the pocket. They imposed their will. What about Burroughs out of the pocket? He did great. <laughs> what about I mean, him running all over the place? I mean, he did great. Now, given the fact he's gave his life life sentence away to Cincinnati. That's all right. We'll tag him. I loved it. I thought he was great. You know, it, it was kind of a tale of two quarterbacks. You know, and, and I, I get that Trevor Lawrence, most NFL analysts will tell you that if he was eligible to be drafted right now, he would be the number one quarterback. I don't say how you say that after, after this game. that game. How do you say that? How do you say that? I said it before that game. I, I, and and Burroughs, like, he he didn't just show up. He showed off. You know, he came in there with a chip on his shoulder and, and like they were down seventeen to seven, and like I remember hearing the announcers are like, "Well, they're not used to playing from behind." They opened up a can of whoop ass on them. Let's be honest; like that score, Clemson's lucky it didn't get out of hand. It, it pretty much was, but it could have been worse. No, here's what's even funnier though, because we were jokingly talking about how bad he whipped Oklahoma in the first half. Oh yeah, and the over under, I was like joking, like, "What is it going to be? Like seven touchdowns again, right? Or eight touchdowns, whatever it was." He had four touchdowns in the first half against uh, in the championship game. Yeah, and he didn't show up until the second quarter. And he had four touchdowns. <laughs> he so was he was hung over from at the, end, at the end of the half. It was twenty eight to what seventeen. Yeah, and he had four touchdown passes. They scored four straight on them. And what he end up with six, something like that. I know he he had sixty five overall touchdowns for the year. Like just let that sink in, and 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 like. The person whose record he passed was, I think, Colt Brennan out at Hawaii. And and let's be honest, Hawaii is not playing the same schedule that LSU is. And I'm not sitting here being the one to bang the drum and tell you how good the SEC is. But I do think that Auburn and Alabama and Ole Miss and Mississippi State is better than Fresno and San Diego State and Colorado State. I, I really think so. So for him to do that against that type of talent, that's pretty freaking unreal to me. But I, I agree with you. I love the kid. I think he's going to be great. Hopefully for your Bengals, go Tigers, <laughs> go Bengals, go Bengals. But uh, I mean, so where does LSU go from here? Though the fact that their uh, passing coordinator now is now going to the Panthers in the NFL. Well, he I, came from the Saints, right? <laughs> well, you're not going to have Joe Burrows there, so that's a good time to make a transition because you won't notice the drop off as as much because you won't have the Hosman winner, the overall number one pick. You know he's gone, so whoever else you bring in, no matter what you do, it's going to be a step down anyway. So if you're going to hide a coaching transfer, let's do it now. But he was there for one year, right? That was it. He came from the Saints for one year to help coach Joe Burrow and put in this new system, NFL related system, and now he's gone again. Yeah, he's getting paid again. <laughs> I like a, it. 
That's 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 betting on yourself. Because during during the telecast, they kept talking about how it was a controversy between him and the offensive coordinator um, for LSU, and then now he's like, "I'm going. I'll be the offensive coordinator for the Panthers." There's no controversy now. And I mean, uh, what's his name for the uh, Panthers? Uh, Rule. Rule. He looks Matt like Rule. a genius bringing this guy in now. Uh, I, I I told you before, Matt Rule is going to be the man. So I mean, I, I like what they're doing in Carolina. Well, let's talk about some NFL teams that actually have something to play for right now. And, you know, we, we pretty much predicted the divisional rounds to a T with the exception of Derrick Henry and the Titans rolling over the Ravens the way they did. Not only did they win, but they destroyed them despite the fact that Lamar Jackson threw for over 300 yards, despite the fact that Lamar Jackson also ran for over 100 yards. I don't consider it an amazing game. He had great stats out of necessity because Tennessee controlled the whole game. He didn't throw the ball like 70 times. Because he had to. <laughs> so, to me, Tennessee had control of the game the whole time. What, did that surprise you, though, that Tennessee came out the way they did? Like, I think we all picked that Tennessee would cover the spread but not win. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a close game because of Derrick Henry, and he's been running wild. He continues to he run He came wild. out, and he imposed his will. And he was killing the uh, the Ravens. And he actually uh, – I, I love the play in the red zone where they did the trick play where they did the direct snap to Henry. And he the actually gives a run. He threw the pass, the jump pass like Tebow. And that was the first time running back has thrown a pass in the playoffs since 1987. All right. So, I mean, you know, it's not enough for Derrick Henry just to be the only running back to ever rush for three straight games over 180 yards, let alone the fact that two of those are playoff games – and they've all been on the road. Like, let's ignore that. Now he's got to start throwing touchdown passes. That's outstanding. It's ridiculous. Like, he's got me believing to the point to where if I was a Chiefs fan, I'd be a little bit worried right now. Like, is there not a better style, though? Like, if you want to combat the Chiefs, like, here's the key. The Titans have to get an early lead. Yeah. Like, even if it's just 3 nothing. If the Chiefs fall down like they did to the Texans, it's over. Because they won't it get is the ball over. Back. They'll just – They'll they'll kill the clock. The Titans aren't like the Texans, how they're going to mismanage and all this and that. You give a Titans the lead like that, it is over. They they will sit on it. We've already seen it twice. They've sit on two leads and didn't do anything special after that, and just ate them alive. The Chiefs better start out with the fifty-one to seven run, <laughs> or it is over. I can't repeat what they did to the Texans. So we were right about the Texans, though. They could not put together two back-to-back good games. Absolutely, we knew that was coming, uh, and it was just—it was amazing to watch the wheels fall off that bus. I mean, Randy Watson's son <laughs> couldn't put it together. I mean, that boy's good, <laughs> but not that good. Not that good. They, so they're done. I don't even feel like uh, there's much else to say other than Kansas City still has the best offense in the playoffs, right? I mean, they do, but I'm excited to see how Tennessee comes out. I mean, I think that's going to be a good ball game. Do you think the NFL at any point is going to be like, we can't have Tennessee in the Super Bowl? I do, <laughs> because I've heard rumblings that it's it's uh, NFL 100, and the first Super Bowl was the Chiefs and the Packers. So, so they want that again. They might do that. If it happens, it's rigged. Watch right. and see. We'll go ahead and mark it down. It's rigged if it's the Chiefs and Pat. We'll no, it's going to – if it ends up being the Titans and the uh, 49ers. So, <laughs> so it might moving, be the way it should be. So moving to the other side, we saw uh, Minnesota didn't really put up much of a fight to San Francisco, did they? How no. many yards did Dalvin Cook have? 
Much to the dismay of uh, our last week's guest, Joe Madden. I mean, she loved her. She was Vikings. all in on the Vikes, man. But the Niners, we worried about them coming off a of bye week. But the Niners came out. They had some key guys come back from uh, defense. They were out on injury. They came out and they just punched the Vikings in the mouth and they controlled the game the whole game. You like that? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> it was Cousins did too. Oh, it was terrible. It was never a question. No, the Niners were the better team the whole game. No, and we thought that going in, and they definitely backed it up. I mean, the way the Niners played in this game it leads me to believe that uh, the they're Niners the, are the clear favorite to win, the front a, to win a Super Bowl. The whole thing, right? The whole thing. I'm with you. Because I originally had called San Francisco and Baltimore to be in it. I thought Baltimore was going to win the whole thing until they ran into the buzzsaw that is Derrick Henry. Well, I mean, and now that they're out, you got to go with the Niners. Kind of how, like I'm saying, I thought it was the Chiefs and the Saints, and now i got to go for the Chiefs. you, you got to default to whoever your next pick was. That's what I'm doing. So I, mean, I was most impressed with the Niners out of anybody last week. Well, I mean, they, they definitely had a decisive win. Uh, the other NFC game was Green Bay and Seattle, and it was it was eh. You know, it, it, Green Bay seemed like they had it in hand for pretty much most of the game. It wasn't anything sexy or exciting, but you know, it is what it is. Green Bay's moving on, so I don't know about you, but between the wild card games and the divisional games, man, there was a difference in excitement. The wild card games were all fantastic. They all came down to the wire. The divisional games all sucked. Unless you count the first half of the Chiefs game. It was terrible. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I like the uh, wild card like because you just don't know what they're going to come out and do. There's always that like mystique there, sure. how they're going to match up. I mean, this weekend, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to the AFC game. I'm not looking too much forward to the NFC game. I feel like it's going to be the Niners. San Francisco is going to repeat I feel history. like it's going to be the Niners, and then I feel like it's going to be the Chiefs as well, but I feel like the Titans are going to punch them in the mouth. Well, they can at least ugly the game up and slow it down. You know, I, Mahomes I, I can't actually, score 51 points if he ain't got the ball. Here's what's crazy. The Tennessee's a 9-7, all right? They're the sixth seed in the AFC, right. and I feel like they have my – not that they matter who my respect is, but – Oh, it matters. I feel like the Tennessee Titans have earned everybody's respect in the NFL. And you got the Packers rolling into um, San Francisco to the Bay. And who cares? Like, But I feel like Tennessee deserves to be there more than the Packers. Well, Tennessee finished the season 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. So they were on a tear. They were hot at the right time. I mean, think about that. You finished 7-3, and three, but your overall record is 9-7. And wasn't the Packers 13-3? and three? Yeah, but the well, twelve and four maybe. Twelve and four. But but let's be honest, the NFC was top heavy. The, the bottom of the conference was terrible overall. So like you had all these teams: Seattle, Green Bay, San Francisco. You know, all these teams had these good records, and it was like you're. It was hard to figure out who was really good. Now San Francisco's kind of got healthy. We've seen them kind of put their stamp on what's happening here, and I'm with you. I think San Francisco wins by at least fifteen points against Green Bay. I agree with you. What's happening in the AFC? What's the final? I don't know. What adds to it more for me, though, is the <laughs> fact that you had the Titans, the Steelers, the Raiders, all fighting for that spot the last week of the season, not knowing who the playoff team was. The Titans got in. They had Derrick Henry, the probably the most imposing running back in the whole NFL Absolutely. league. And he's imposed his will. So I feel like the Chiefs would probably win, but – I think it'll be by six or less. I think it's going to be like a 27-20 game. 
So 27-17, maybe. I don't know. I'm telling you, though, if the Chiefs come out flat, they're done. They they can't Straight get behind. Up. You can't get behind against that team. Now, the, the one thing I will say is, isn't that what you want out of a wild card team? Like, you're the sixth seed. You made the playoffs. Like, cause some chaos. Prove that you belong there. They've done nothing but chaos. <laughs> so I, I'm a, I was a Raiders fan. I hope they come out and the Chiefs fall flat and Tennessee just spanks them. I, I want Tennessee to roll into the Super Bowl. What's well, that time of the show where we ask our fans a, a wonderful question? And this week we decided to see who your favorite player was, not for a team that you cheered for. So, you know, if you're a Dolphins fan, no Dan Marino answers here. We wanted to hear who your favorite player was, maybe for someone else that they never played for your squad, your team, whoever's jerseys you were no- normally buying. This was somebody on another team. So we got a lot of responses on this. Mr. Browns, he's getting it primed, ready to go, so we can kind of go through the list here. And I know when you asked me this question, Mr. Brown, mine was a quick response. It was Barry Sanders. It was, and uh, our first responder here was actually the same as you. Was it really? Uh, Jake Nall. Jake Nall. See, I know I like Jake. Friend of the show, Jake Nall was Barry Sanders. Going with Barry Sanders. We got April Pendleton. April Pendleton can't follow directions, so we'll keep on moving because she named about Remember eight. Remember, we said just name one people. Come Casey on. Shields. I like this one. This one went back and forth for me. Tim Duncan, outstanding player and even better human being. He beat up on, beat up on my Nuggets often. I respect that. Tim Duncan was a hell of a player. And no one understands the bank shot. No, from the and, side. But like, who dislikes Tim Duncan? He's the man. Nobody. We got Scott Johnson. Pick one's very difficult. I'll go with King Griffey Jr. See, I would have given you King Griffey Jr. if he would have not ended up on the Reds eventually. But in my closet, to this day, hangs an authentic Seattle Mariners King Griffey Jr. jersey. No, but you can say that because, to me, Junior's he the Mariners the jur- uh, Jr. He and not the, the Cincinnati Reds Jr. Wasn't the same. Zach Blee, to only pick one that is hard, so I have to go with Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich. He's going that, that new. Oh, Okay. I'd like to know who he's a fan of. Right. Uh, It can't be the Marlins. (laughs) Bill Covey can't follow directions. Uh, So we'll go with our uh, should-be top fan, Katie Lee. She hated the Padres, but she loved Tony Gwynn. Well, that's understandable. And and we need to petition Katie Lee to be a top fan. She always gives good material. This This is a travesty. She doesn't have that badge. Howie Wolf can't follow directions. Neither can Mike Mark Rosman. People, one answer is all we have. Uh, Nikki Lopez Myers, Peyton Manning, and she's a Pats fan. Mm, I like that, but again, Peyton Manning's a guy that's hard to root against. I love Peyton Manning because he was like a coach on the field, cerebral assassin. So, like to me, he's my favorite quarterback ever. Uh, recently, in my opinion, I right. love Peyton Manning. No Y.A. titles. No, <laughs> not for me. Not for me. Omaha. No, no. Uh, Galen Franklin said uh, Thurman Munson, they love the Yankees. Mm. So they went back, and yeah, I like that. I like that. That's a good pick. David Ollinger, he loves Russell Wilson. I don't know who he's a fan of, but he loves Russell Wilson. We should have quantified that by having people tell us who they liked first. Correct. Like, it would be uh, great if it's like Niners fan here. Right. Love Russell Wilson. Uh, Joe DeVito loves Joe Montana. It's because his name's Joe. Yeah. Uh, Victor Victor Hugo, who I agree with, Ted Williams. Uh, I loved it. I watched his documentary yesterday, so I agree with you there. Well, we'll cover that in a second. John Harder, Fred Lynn. I like that. Okay. 
I like the obscurity of that one. Mike Kalinowski. Wayne Gretzky. That's an obvious choice. All right. I think if you're a hockey fan in general, unless you played for your team, you got to be a Wayne Gretzky fan. Correct. You got uh, Ron Lynch, Marcus Allen. Marcus so Allen. So it Raiders, or he played for the – He played for the Raiders and Chiefs, Chiefs, right? correct. Yeah. And then Jordan Milligan, he he loves J.J. Watt, even though he don't root for the Texans. I mean, J.J. Watt's kind of humanitarian. It's hard not to root for a guy like that. Don Devaney says, sweetness. Ooh. That's an exclamation. I, I respect that one a lot, too. Jeremy Kennedy, Steve Eiserman. We, we're doing good so far. Our fans are showing up with some good answers. Ed Kelsey, Willie Stargell. Wow. So we keep going. I like how we're getting some historical ones, too, here. I, I'm going to – Selby Sun said two, so I'm going to disregard one just because <laughs> the one that I like is Bo Jackson. Uh, that's why you, you accepted that one, even though he broke the rules. Yeah, the other one was Mike Trout. That's obvious. Okay, yeah. All right, so uh, Barry Young loves Larry Bird. Probably a Lakers fan. That would be awesome if you're a Lakers fan and you like Larry Bird. Jordan Herman, who should be a top fan. I see that name all the time. Warren Moon. That is such an obscure one, but like Warren Moon, like he invented the run and shoot, man. I love Warren Moon. He's great. Imagine if he Remember didn't play. Remember Tech Mobile. Imagine if he didn't play in the CFL all those oh, years. Oh, God. <sighs> It'd be like Ted Williams or Ichiro. Right. You know, hey, with, he's Ichiro. You know what I'm saying? Yep. All right, so you got Joshua Hawkins with the Big Hurt, Frank Thomas. I, I like Big Hurt back in the day, too. Probably man. like Indians fan, maybe. I was more of a Griffey fan, but Big Hurt was right there. Dude, that swing he had, you just knew, put it on the board! <laughs> hey, yes! Take your new genics. I loved it. I loved it. I like mine better. And she'll like it, too. There you go. <laughs> All right, so we'll keep on moving. Mary Carr, uh, Drew Brees. Okay. We, we I saw, think everybody likes Drew Brees. We just saw the photo of Drew we Brees. We did. From our buddy. You got to get it from uh, Burgess. Burgess. Uh, what's Jacob Burgess, Jake, man. Jake Burgess Artistry. Is that yeah, that's was? right. Yes. Jacob Burgess Photos. Jake Burgess. Drawings. Photos. Something Jake, like Jake that. Burgis, Jake Burgess. Something Jake on Burgess th- Facebook, damn it. Find Jake Burgess online. He sells it. All right. There you go. Jack Kirsten Jr., Nolan Ryan. Respectable again. It I'm ready be- for a bad one. Hit me with something nasty. Well, Lori Scharer, Josh Harper. Who's Josh Harper? Exactly. Uh, Did she mean Bryce Harper? <laughs> I don't know. She gets a manual buzzer. <laughs> Lori Shower, that's a bad one. Matt McCure. No, let's say Matt LeCuriser. <laughs> Kirby Puckett. I hate Kirby Puckett. Uh, don't be jealous. Because he's resting in peace. God rest his soul. Quit hating dead people. Yeah, that was a big hit against us in the 91 series, but I, I respect him as a player. He's a hell of a ball player. Good Suzanne twins. Palmer, Babe Ruth. You can't possibly be that old. Let's keep rolling. <laughs> Eric Russell, George Gervin, Iceman, Ice finger roll. Finger Let's roll. keep on moving. Kevin uh, Bogner, Calvin Johnson. He retired way too early. He did. He was a freak. I don't know. If you watch the Aaron Hernandez documentary, you'll understand. Well, they, they just posted on ESPN like there was – like, the trend of like players retiring below the right, age thirty. Yeah, it's a it's a violent sport, man. Who just retired from uh, Panthers? Uh, Luke Keekley. And then you had Calvin Johnson. You've got uh, there's like five guys that retired early. Aaron, uh, what's his name? Andrew Luck. Yep. And then there's like two other guys. I can't remember. They're they're taking their health over money. Oh, I mean that's cool. I mean and you gotta respect that, right? They do. They can walk you, away. I don't. I don't lock them for that. You got Sean Knotts, Brett Favre. 
Brett I like Favre. that. I like that one. Brett Favre is one of my favorite quarterbacks ever. Uh, you can always watch the Packers. I love the gunslinger, the man. Gunslinger, baby. You got give Mar- me some Viking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mark Hoffman, Kyle Ripken. All right, All right. I, I like that one. First one, Billy Brown, Michael Jordan. That's the first one. It's crazy. Uh, you know, maybe I don't know. Maybe people are going for the more obscure. Cody Spangler, I love this one. Cody's a he's a, is he a top fan? No, should be. Uh, Mike Allstott. Mike Allstott, because everyone just loved Chris Berman doing. <laughs> Rumbling, bumbling, bumbling, he's scoring again with people hanging by his legs. Mike, I'll start with his second score. Uh, a little thunder and lightning with him that, and Dunn back in the that's day. That's right. Man. If you didn't like the the Bucks when they went to that pewter, you know, uniform man, you were missing out. I loved it. They were great. Uh, Nathan D. Felice, I don't know how he's not a top fan. He but, used to be. Uh, Drew Brees again. You got to step your game up, Nathan D. Alex Felice. Alex Radke, I see him a lot. D. Wade. D. Wade. Yeah. First one for uh, John Blankenship, LeBron James. All right. he, he should be the only one. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Bob Raven, Jim Brown. Yeah, all right. So that's, that's not quite as old as Babe Ruth, so I, I can buy that one. Dale Alex, Ernie Banks. All right. There's a probably a Cardinals a, fan. I, I was going to say, I mean, most Cubs fans, they hold him in royalty, but I don't know too many non-Cub fans that would say that. Nick Jeffries, Larry Fitzgerald is coming back for another Again, year. Again, 17th year, is that right? I love Larry Fitzgerald because he just got great work ethic. And, like, we should hate Larry Fitzgerald because he's a Pittsburgh guy. Right. But, but, like, when we're Mountaineers guys. He's so good that we ignore that. Is he not just the, like, the blueprint to be a pro? Yes. I love Larry Fitzgerald. He's like the anti-Antonio Brown. So we can agree with that. Yes. I love Fitz. Great job, Nick Jeffries. Great pick. Tim McNamara. Hakeem, the dream. Dream. I love man. the dream. Best footwork by a big man ever. Shaking fake. Joseph Wynn, Joe DiMaggio. So I want to I want to touch on this one real quick. I just watched that Ted Williams specialty, which I'm going to get into. But Ted Williams got pissed off because they nominated Joe as the best living player ever. I don't remember what date it was. And he took it to his grave, man. He was pissed. And then and, and people realized that we made a mistake. We pissed off Teddy. Ted should have uh, went out with Marilyn Monroe. Exactly. He wasn't flashy. <laughs> that's that's all it is. 56 games hitting streak, so I'll give you that. All right, let's move on. Uh, David Charles, Luke Millis, Derek Jeter. Okay. I, I can respect that one. I didn't care for Jeter because I hated the Yankees, but over time, he grew on me. You grew to appreciate him. You grew to appreciate his greatness. Didn't root for him necessarily, right. but you knew what he was. So I love Derek Jeter. That's, I mean, over time, I've, hey, all I've, I'm going to say is for a guy to play that long for a team like the Yankees and his nickname, his moniker is the captain, that says something. It absolutely does. So I can't say much because I was just trying to be a Yankee hater. Uh, that's okay. All right. All right. Give me like a couple more and we'll wrap up. No, we got, we got Kobe. With Joshua Brown, uh, let's keep on. I mean, that's really about it. I'm keep scrolling. There's nothing All else right, left. All right, so let me, let me turn the tables here. Who is your biggest sports crush? Your fan of a guy that never played for your teams? Who's your Who's your guy that you want that jersey? I want to name a guy that hasn't been named because I, I I could name a lot of these. I guys. know. Would you give me one? Give me something. I'm a good Ricky Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson. We mentioned it earlier in our interview. With uh, Burgess, and we know we know you want a Ricky uh, artist drawing rendering there, but, but the, the reason Rick, I love Ricky is because he's tenacious. Well, and is, is Ricky Henderson one of the most underappreciated people in baseball history? 
I think so. I think he should be the top ten ever. Like especially ever. Next, I, and I I don't know if I could say that. You're I'd stuttering have, ever. I'd have, I'd have to think about it, but I can see where you're coming. Top from. ten ever. I'd have to think game. about it, but I have to see where you're coming from. People trembled when he walked on the field. Not because he's going to go deep, which he did a lot of just as a leadoff him, guy. Just don't let him on base. You walk him, it's over, folks. It says something that the dude was playing at 42 years old, still still in like 30 bases. Yeah. Like, yeah. But that would lead the, the freaking majors. This he was dropping, before he went to Newark Bears, man, he was dropping about 40 steals a game at age 40. He was just, he was hustling on the grind. Dude, it's out of control. All right. Ricky Anderson, greatest of all time. What do you got? Well, I gave you mine earlier, but if I if I had to go a secondary, like a player I just enjoyed. Oh, you watching, said Barry Sanders. I said Barry Sanders, but and, and football's you know definitely my my cup of tea more than anything else. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if I can think of another one that quick. All right, that's fine. Take the safe way out. I, I, I'll my safe word's banana. Just remember that. You said what? <laughs> Ford's banana? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Well, it's been a fun show. I feel like we got overly heated when it came to baseball and people were going to have to suffer through it. We appreciate Jake Burgess coming on the show and, and sharing us his artistic renderings. You guys make sure you check that out. But, you know, we do get some downtime and sometimes we do some things other than sports. But for some reason, I think we've been in documentary mode lately when it comes to movies. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, you did watch The Irishman, though, right? I did today. Finished it up today. Because <laughs> it takes more than one day. I had to break it up into two sections. Because it's 19 sec- hours long. <laughs> it was out of control, but it took me two days. I liked it, but it was a little lengthy. I- I'm sure you at least appreciated the fact uh, a Teamsters person <laughs> went down. <laughs> <sighs> I can relate working at UPS, <laughs> oh. the Teamsters perspective. <laughs> It hit home with me. It was different. Uh, it shows you how backwards some things are. I'll leave it, it at that. It, it was pretty chaotic. Um, not Scorsese's best work, but it was decent. Um, now, uh, that being said, I will say that I decided to sit down last night, and I had to see what all the hubbub was about. And I caught the new Aaron Hernandez documentary that was on Netflix. It's pretty amazing. Um, it's three episodes. It's kind of like Don't F With Cats, if you remember us talking about that before, uh, but only it's about a football player. And I'm just saying right now, between interviews with former teammates, ex-NFL players, coaches, childhood friends, the recordings from, from prison and the phone calls and all that stuff, like if you really want to try to understand Aaron Hernandez, this will help you do it. And there's no understanding what happened. It's an absolute, you know, chaotic, you know, ride of emotion. And, um, yeah, I don't even know how I feel about it. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think Aaron Hernandez uh, isn't guilty of things and didn't do bad things. He definitely did. And, and that's very clear, even after watching the documentary. But if it's kind of like, like you like the movie The Joker, right? Absolutely. And you kind of empathize with him. Like, you know why he went crazy, right? Right. You feel bad for him. Well, I know why Aaron Hernandez went, went the way he did. All right. So let me ask you this, because I know what I know as a sports fan right now. Yeah. Right? Okay. Would it be okay if me and my wife watched it? Because she's not a big sports fan. Would she still, like, like want to watch it? It's, it's pretty damn interesting. So she'd be intrigued? Yeah. It takes some pretty 
pretty weird turns here or there. I'm just going to say this. There's a, there's a big portion of the show that discusses Aaron Hernandez sexuality. And I'm not saying that with kid gloves to say that it's not a big deal. Turns out I'm here thinking today. It probably was a big deal and why he was the way he was. Uh, And it does a good job explaining that. And it's just, it's, it's like a human tragedy case. Yes. He did some terrible things, but it, it kind of goes over what happened to cause his state of mind. And again, no forgiveness done on my part. Even though Odin Lloyd's mom forgives him, and that's good for her. He's still a screwed up person that did some bad things. But man, like I, I get, I get why it happened. I mean, for me and any other normal person, because <laughs> you're not normal, not at all. <laughs> thinking about like the Patriots and Aaron Hernandez, it's from from an outside perspective. You got a dynasty getting ready to take place. You know, and they're already doing some things. You got a, a very talented tight end making some great uh, numbers in the NFL. He's a millionaire. He's doing his thing. He, he, and you know, the Patriots love two tight ends doing their thing. And he had everything in front of him and the whole world in front of him. And then all that transpired. Dude, what you need to understand is Aaron Hernandez is on a rookie contract. He was he was a late round draft pick because of trouble in school, right? People had some question from marks. Florida, about him. right? Yeah, from Florida. Yeah. Played with Tebow. Yeah, that's that's an odd couple right there. The dude killed two people and then signed a forty million dollar contract and played an entire season in the NFL after he killed two people. So this is after his rookie contract. Oh yeah, like yeah. it it takes you through everything. But like it, it just did the Patriots know he killed two people? Well, no. Or but they, but they just turned Cra- on their head. But they did put him in a safe house, and they go over that. And of all the things that happened during his trial, when Bob Kraft walked into that courtroom, Aaron Hernandez's demeanor changed more than you would ever see any other time. It might as well been as Jesus Christ walked in there with Bob Kraft. Yeah, oh, he was looking over his shoulder. Even when he walked out, he was look. Never, never strayed from looking straight ahead until Bob Kraft walks in there. A- amazing stuff. You got to watch it. Uh, it's up there with Don't F with Cats. It's close, but it's football, so you might find it interesting. A lot of former players give their two cents on it, too. It, it, it's, it's a hell of a – they did a good job. Netflix is on fire, baby. I'm giving them credit. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. They put some great stuff out there. Speaking of great stuff, what did you watch? <laughs> Another Netflix original. Ah, Netflix, baby. It was this Ted Williams. That's all it's called. It's Ted Williams. I'm going to try to watch it tonight. No, I, I've watched. I love Ted Williams. It was my grandpa's favorite player ever. I mean, and he hits home with me. I, I got my picture taken with his statue up at Fenway. So I love Ted Williams. I've researched Ted Williams. His stats are amazing. You've looked at his stats. Is he the GOAT? I think he is personally. Uh, he's he's the Michael Jordan of baseball. I lo- but people don't think that. But he is. I mean, like I was texting you yesterday. He missed his age 23, 24, and t- no, I'm sorry, 24, 25, and 26 seasons. And then again, it's 33 and 34 age seasons because of five years in the military. And he already had the stats that he had. He's the last guy that hit 400. And – for those of you that don't know the story about him him hitting 400, the last game of the season, they had a doubleheader. The last day, a doubleheader. He was sitting at 399.5. <laughs> I 
<laughs> which rounds up to 400. So Can't take that. The sports writers and the managers said, are you going to sit out because it rounds up to 400 and you're technically there, congratulations. And Ted, which you don't really realize until you watch this, he was a stubborn guy. And he says, I'm not going to back into this by technicality. I'm going to come in and I'm going to play both games of the doubleheader. It wasn't even a question if I'm going to play. So Ted went out there and he went six for eight <laughs> and raised his average to 406. And that's why he's a GOAT. Absolutely. So I loved it. It, it hit home with me because it was my grandpa's favorite player, and he, he had a lot of similarities with my grandpa that I didn't even know until I watched it. And he was a great player. Uh, he had some struggles in life in general. Oh, who doesn't? Personal issues. But it also showed as a professional how he struggled with uh, him getting through his career as a professional, which you, would, you just don't see that type of thing. And I'm for, interested for him to put up the numbers that he did. There was a struggle along the way and he loved to fish and he talked about fishing stories. And no wonder you like him. <laughs> he, he, I'll leave it at this. He's in two separate fishing hall of fames. What? <laughs> I didn't know fishing hall of fames existed. There's two different ones. And he's in both of them. No, there's two, at least in two. I don't know how many there are. <laughs> There, there was like a Hall of Fame fisherman that came down to the bank when Ted was fishing after he were right near his retirement, and Ted was doing his thing because he was kind of a loner. And the guy was like, are you catching any snook? And Ted Williams looked at him and goes, what do you know about snook, uh, Bush? I think he called him Bush because it's like Bush Leagues. He's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? So then come to find out they became lifelong friends for like 50 years and the guy was a Hall of Fame fisherman, the guy Ted was talking to, and he was like talking shit to the Hall of Fame fisherman like he was nobody. <laughs> and and like that, that guy said, whatever Ted did, and he wanted to dive in, he did well. Because that was Ted. No half-assing. No. He's going, he's going to be a winner. Yeah. Well, and, and you know what? When we talk about the greatest of all time in any regard, isn't that what it comes down to? The guys that just have that will to succeed no matter what, there's no quit in them. That's Ted Williams, right? And it, it clearly said in this documentary it was between Teddy and uh, Babe Ruth. Um, so the love is there, but a lot of a lot of non baseball historians will just default to Babe Ruth. But bigger name, uh, Joey Votto, who people can recognize, plays for the Reds. He says that it's Ted Williams and Babe Ruth, and it's very close. He couldn't pick who it was. Wow. I'm picking Ted Williams. Yeah. I mean, I, I will. Just because. Better all around. Exactly. Babe Ruth had the long ball. You know, I, I'll give him that. And was a great overall player. Don't get me wrong. But Ted Williams was – Ted Williams is like, if we look at the modern generation, he, he's like a combination of like a King Griffey Jr., a Pete Rose, and a Tony Gwynn all rolled into one. Well, think about this, though. No one – and you're completely correct – no one looks at books from Babe Ruth about hitting, right? He's like a home runs. Right. Ted Williams wrote a book about the art of hitting. Joey Votto studied that book and used his philosophy as a major leaguer today based on a player who played in the 1950s. Because he was that damn good. He said he was generations ahead of his time and he was that damn good. So <laughs> what do you say? I'm going to watch it. I'm going to tell you what I think next week. All right. We'll get a chance. You got any parting words or are we done? I think we've had a lot to drink tonight. We've talked a lot of sports. We've talked a hell of a lot of baseball. We had a great guest with uh, Jake Burgess, and 
You know what? We didn't talk any NBA. We're watching NBA. Well, yeah, we are watching. The, and the Celtics the, are coming back trying to against the Bucks. All right. Well, tune in next time to see if the Celtics beat the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. No one cares because the NBA season is way too long. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll catch you next week. We got some great guests lined up. We got some former professional football players. We got some uh, a 10-year NFL veteran next week. We got... Friend of the show, Eugene's coming back. He's got a book coming out, so can't wait to hear about that. So make sure you check us out as we get that interview on the docket for next week. This is an end that we don't know sports podcast, and we will catch you same time next week.